the next stop, Sprawlcast. You're listening to Sprawlcast. My name is Jeremy Clausus, and I'm the editor-in-chief of The Sprawl. Sprawlcast is a show made in collaboration with CGSW 90.9 FM in Calgary, and we are broadcasting slash podcasting from Treaty 7 territory. This is the home of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Pekani, Siksika, and Ghana nations, along with the Sutina Nation and Stony Nakoda Nations. This place is also home to Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3. I think Calgarians, by and large, really rejected the negative narr- narratives that were being told about us. And in that moment, Alberta showed up, Calgary showed up, and you see that reflected in the makeup of council. I think really what it comes down to is we bring a wealth of experiences and knowledge and that we're going to bring those in, that information into our decision making. You just heard three of the folks that Calgarians have elected as new city councillors. I sat down with them for a conversation the week after the election. Councillor Courtney Walcott represents Ward 8 in the inner city, taking over from Evan Woolley. Before being elected, Walcott was a teacher and basketball coach at Western Canada High School. He's also been a leader in equity and anti-racism work, including the Defund to Fund Coalition. Just south of Ward 8, in Ward 11, Councillor Courtney Penner took over from Jeremy Farkas. Penner has also been actively involved in civic life. She's a past president of the Haysboro Community Association and worked in the local tech sector with Rainforest Alberta. And in Ward 3, in far north-central Calgary, voters elected Councillor Jasmine Meehan. She takes over from Mayor Jyoti Gondek. Meehan is an Olympic wrestler and has master's degrees in public policy and psychology. She wrote a thesis on nighttime pedestrian safety. I kind of want to read that. Just a note that at the time I spoke with them, they were technically councillors-elect and not officially councillors yet, because they hadn't been sworn in, which is why I don't refer to them as councillors in this interview. Anyway, I began our conversation by asking Councillor Jasmine Meehan what it's like to have made it through the campaign and to be part of Calgary's new city council. That's a great question. You know, I, I had to laugh because I think it's very much like when people have, have a child, I would assume. You spend your whole nine months being like, how are we going to have this baby? And then you get the baby and you're like, now what do we do? <laughs> so that's a little bit what it feels like is, is uh, now, now the real work begins, right? And uh, so it's very exciting. Um, you know, we've I'm sure between the three of us, we've walked millions of steps and had thousands of conversations. Um, and it's been really rewarding. And I think the best part of this position we're in right now is that we get to actually try and make the change that we were talking to people about. Courtney Walcott, how about yourself? You know, I can completely echo that this concept outside of the fact that, you know, I'm not carrying a chat, but I, this, this waiting game, oh, like the campaign, the entire part of it, it's, it's, you're just trying to get from day to day to just one day to the next day. At a certain point, I lost track of actually what day of the week it was and time became just completely irrelevant to my life. Uh, and then all of a sudden you blinked and it was October 18th and then 12 hours of just waiting and waiting and waiting. And then all of a sudden the results start flowing in and you start getting this. Then I started getting this wave of, 
well, I'm not going to cuss on this, but let's just say uh, we were, we were thinking some things. And, uh, and then by the end of the night, I kind of just sat there and everyone around me is celebrating. And all I'm thinking to myself is I get to go to work tomorrow. You know, I get to, I get to start figuring out what this looks like and what it's going to become. And I was immediately overjoyed and overwhelmed in this exact same moment. And we're just, I can't wait to start. Definitely. How about yourself, uh, Courtney Penner? Well, uh, as a person who has had a child, uh, Jasmine, you're, you're bang on actually, <laughs> right? You spend a lot of time sort of preparing and, and doing all the things. And then, and then, yeah, and then you kind of wait. And then it comes and you just, you kind of have this like serene, blissful moment. And then, yeah, then you really just dive right into doing all the things. Um, it, it's, um, I've had so many pe- people reach out to me in the last couple of days, people who said they voted for me, uh, you know, people who, who didn't, but are still excited that I'm a counselor. You know, I, I, people will probably know by, by the time this releases, I kind of just really sunk my teeth right into the issues right off the bat here this week. Uh, so it's, it's been a bit of a whirlwind on top of trying to, um, de-campaign my life, right. Get down signs, <laughs> um, declutter my house and recycle literature. So, you know, there are sort of like two things happening at the same time here. Um, and then, you know, pull together a team so that we're ready to kind of roll next week. But I'm, uh, I'm very humbled. I'm very excited. I'm very much looking forward to the opportunity, um, you know, both to work with Courtney and Jasmine on the call, but, you know, a lot of, um, well, most of the other counselors as well. And, and to, and to have some of the bold conversations that we need to have uh, uh, for Calgary. So I'm curious what each of you think the election results say about Calgary. It seems like, you know, this is a conversation people are having this week. This is a conversation we had in 2010 after Nahed Nenshi was elected, you know, when you look at the gender makeup of council, when you look at the racial diversity of this council, and and, and when you look at the political leanings of, of the council. I'm, cu- I'm curious what you think this election says about Calgary. And uh, Courtney Walcott, maybe I'll start with you. I think the big myth is about what, how progressive or how you know, conservative Alberta actually is. And I think part of that and part of that conversation that we often have comes around this idea of, well, how good our times are, right? And because to some degree, especially at municipal politics, there's a degree, there's a, a, a huge kind of element of apathy that exists at this level of government. And there's a lot of apathy that honestly exists at every level of government, because when things are good, who cares, right? Like nobody cares. And the, the, the realities of, and I, I don't even love the terms because I think they're too ideologically associated, but the, the idea of like the concept of progressive versus conservative, et cetera, et cetera, the concept of, of conservative thrives in, in times of, of a high quality of life because people just want to see that maintenance, right? It's like, hey, everything is good, so let's keep it good. So there's that idea of conservatism thrives in those moments. But what we're seeing right now is when decisions have to be made and when we get into these when we get our backs against the wall and we have to start creating solutions that are going to be long-term that are dealing with crises that's when the values of the population really show themselves because that's the moment when people vote for the solutions that are going to carry us forward and in that moment Alberta showed up Calgary showed up and you see that reflected in the makeup of council 
uh, is that the makeup of council is reflective of the values of the people that voted. And, and here we are. And that's something that we should all be proud of together. One thing, one thing I actually noticed was, I mean, I don't actually know how old everybody is, but we all look very young in our photos, right? There is, there is a youthful element. Um, maybe youth isn't the right word, but there, uh, you know, when we talk about Calgary attracting talent, right? And we, when we talk about attracting, you know, millennials or whatever the generation that comes afterwards, I just, I'm so horrible with those things. But we reflect really what Calgary should be looking like and and who we want to attract to our city and and I think that is one of the most hopeful things that when I look generally across who got elected um and from you know the different backgrounds and different experiences as well that that to me is the real shining story in all of this is that we've come from you know I think there is you know and and I don't I don't love the terms progressive and conservative, right? I think that labels and it pigeonholes us into into presupposing what kind of decisions we're going to make. I think really what it comes down to is we bring a wealth of experiences and knowledge and that we're going to bring those in that information into our decision making. So, you know, Courtney brings, um, Courtney Walcott brings a lot of information, right? And in, in, in working with youth, but also like that historical perspective as well around governance, right? That he has as a teacher, and Jasmine, right, she's, you know, she's policy up, you know, she's got the policy that she's going to school us all on and she's going to, right, and she's going to kind of keep us, I imagine she's going to keep us in the straight and narrow, um, but also has that tenacity, right, and and that um, that drive and the vision of an athlete and, you know, how we serve athletes in our city. And I bring, you know, I, I, I will say, like, I bring my mom perspective and what I want for my kids, but also that community-based lens of being really rooted into neighborhoods and working with community leaders. So those are the experiences that a lot of us are bringing. Um, and it, that is less ideology and and more, more about how we're all going to use our strengths to create better environments for Calgarians. I believe that looking across the city, what I felt like made a successful campaign was how well you articulated your vision and told a story about what's going on for Calgary and what's going on, what you're going to do about it. And uh, I think Calgarians by and large really rejected the negative narratives that were being told about us, um, rejected the politicians who were trying to get ahead by taking a short position on the city. And I think what's going to be very interesting about all the folks who are elected is how do we bring forward the, and and start telling a story that is one that we've all co-created now. Um, I don't want to see us be a council who, you know, we're only driving forward the agenda that we believe is important for our wards. We have to come together as a greater team and set some priorities as to what's best for the city. And so that's the the conversations I'm really looking forward to in the coming days. Yeah, it's interesting because all three of your campaigns, uh, I would say, you know, pitched a quite optimistic, optimistic view uh, of the future in the city versus, you know, some of the more populist campaigns that we're running against certain things at city hall or uh, yeah, just kind of more negative in, in approach. I'm curious. Yeah. Does, does that go to what you were saying, uh, Courtney Walcott, like where people are at right now at this point in time in Calgary? I think so. One of the, an area that I often like to focus on is just really how we view problems. 
and how we view ourselves in the situation that, that we find ourselves in, of course. And right now, obviously, there are there are problems left and right. You have an affordable housing crisis. You got you know the opioid crisis. You have environmental. Well, I'm going to use the word crisis a lot here, aren't, aren't I? You know, we have an environmental climate crisis going on at the same time. We have. Truth be told, a crisis of taxation. Like, oh my God, I'm just going to say crisis all over again. But the point being is, is that when you when you find yourself in a position where kind of everybody's firing at you uh, these these major issues about how our world is being shaped around us, and and the people, especially who are sitting at the table, like the the two women that I'm with right now, who are going to be sitting beside me while we do this work together, you have to realize that all of these problems are massive opportunities for generational shift and and, an amazing city building that is going to be able to bring in so many different stakeholders into creating something new from whatever we are right now. And that optimism, it can't be lost. You cannot come into this with the negativity of yesterday when you're trying to actually build something for tomorrow. And so many of the campaigns that took that outlook were the ones that reached the most people. And I think there's some huge value in holding that perspective close as we move forward. Yeah, it's interesting. One one of the things that I'm curious about is, you know, there is that discontent out there still, uh, and and there is that fear out there. Uh, a lot of folks fearful about the future, uh, you know, their in terms of their own uh, well being and career and whatever, but also fearful about the future of the city. And when I think about you know some of the conversations around inner city densification, for example, and how we how we grow and, and how the city of Calgary engages with people. Like there's a lot of people who do not feel heard. And I'm curious, Courtney Penner, maybe I'll ask you this since you have a community association background. How do you think the city should navigate that? Because like that's something I hear a lot, like community engagement is broken. And, and, and a, that's something that people on both sides of the political spectrum seem to degree, seem to agree on to a point. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll agree with that, right. That That's not, that's not a spectrum issue. That's, that's again, um, it comes down to trust. And I mean, one of the words I used on the doors over and over was honesty is that, you know, people would ask a question and I would respond, well, we need to be honest about what we are trying to accomplish and we need to be honest about what the problems are. And and so moving that forward into conversations about engagement, um, we need to, you know, encourage our, the teams that we're working with, whether it's, you know, our office teams, whether it is our administrative teams, um, to, to have the courage to be honest with Calgarians. Uh, and, and that honesty is what will rebuild the trust. And I think when we're honest, then we will be able to bring people along with helping us with the solutions. I don't think we like, as in like council needs to be the solution or we administration, the city needs to be the solution. I think we need to, to work with communities and work with neighborhoods and work with community organizations. And we need to, um, we also need to not figure everything out ourselves. We have examples from across the globe that we can look at and we can apply a Calgary context and a Calgary lens to that. Uh, but we don't have to reinvent the wheel every single time. And I am I am hopeful um, that, you know, with the leadership that we have on council right now, um, the conviction uh, to be honest with people about, as Courtney mentioned, all the crises that we are facing, 
um, that while recognizing that alongside what we can celebrate because Calgary still does have so many amazing things and I don't want us our conversation to be only focused on our challenges I want it to be focused as well on what are the things we can celebrate such as our library system or our park system and pathway system we've got amazing recreation opportunities and it's really about building from the strengths that we have um, to deal with those crises and challenges yeah and Jasmine what do you think what do you think this council can do for for those people who don't feel heard, who feel alienated from City Hall and from, you know, decisions that are made? Well, it, it sounds cliche, but it, it is listening. Um, I mean, I, I think court, the Courtney's, you're going to become the Courtney's. That's probably not great. Um, Courtney and Courtney um, can attest to you when, when you're going door to door and you're having conversations with people, you come across a lot of folks who are really upset about something in their neighborhood or things that have been going on especially related to the pandemic. And um, you can challenge them on how they feel about it, or you can sit there and listen. And, and behind a lot of that is fear. Behind a lot of that is anger and hurt. And, you know, I don't, I don't have a job. I'm not sure how I'm going to pay my bills next month. And so I think the, the biggest challenge in, in all of this is to like always lead with empathy. And sometimes it's really hard to do that because people will be coming at you with such anger and they, they're doing everything in the moment that does not deserve your empathy. And they're hitting you with, with um, you know, some real, some real aggression. Um, but it's how can you take that aggression and, and turn it into something that is ultimately telling them I've heard you, telling them I'm going to do what I can to address that hurt. And it's not easy. It, like the, at the end of the day, like politics is all about people and, and a city building, as much as we talk about the technical skill set and the land use, so much of actually doing good city building is is understanding people and understanding the, the tensions that exist and, and trying to empathize with people. And, and in the times that you can't, like Courtney is saying, so I'm just sorry, we just can't get there on that. Um, just being very transparent about why. And I think the other thing that I hope we do a better job of is celebrating all the great things that we do have at the city. And I think that's where your job as a counselor is oftentimes that is not to tell, but to show. And uh, I've been thinking about that a lot in, in how we're going to run my office and how are we going to make sure we're showing people the great work that we're doing, not just telling people, because there's this perception. I've already gotten emails this morning. I'm sure Co that Courtney and Courtney feel the same way. People being like, oh, did you, did you just want this job for a paycheck? Like, are, am I not going to hear from you now? Like, people are worried about that, right? You're very accessible in the campaign and you have to remain as accessible once you're elected. And that's hard to do because of all the demands and the fire hose that comes your way. Um, but I think that we all have the best of intentions to really meet the needs of our residents. Yeah. And you mentioned that fear, that that aggression that that some people have, which, yeah, underlying that, I think you put your finger on it, like people are trying to connect. And, and if they feel like they can't connect, you know, that kind of festers, I guess. Absolutely. And I think that's where politicians end up getting this rap for being elitist and out of touch. Because you have to sit with people like a, a huge part of your job is not actually just finding resolutions for people. It's sitting with people in in the muck in, in the I hear you. This is a really unfortunate situation. I'm going to do everything I can to try to get a resolution for you. But sometimes you can't. 
Um, and that's true in any high stress leadership job. You look at physicians, you know, how many, how many times do they have to, you know, try and help people and they know they can't save them. You know, you look at anyone in any type of first responder, you look at military, any high pressure job and politics is no different. So much of it is actually that people's skill set. I want to drill down into a few uh, issues that are going to be facing the next council, uh, some, of, some of which uh, the three of you have campaigned on. The first one being climate emergency uh, or the climate crisis, as you said, Courtney Walcott. You know, Mayor-elect Jyoti Gondek has said, you know, Calgary needs to declare a climate emergency, and that would be in keeping with what a bunch of municipalities have done. But I'm curious for each of you what that means beyond just a, you know, making a statement of we've declared a climate emergency on paper. Yeah, Courtney Walcott, what does that look like in your mind? I think the, big, the, the immediate kind of lens that I take on almost every issue is, is, is an attempt to create an intersectional understanding of it. So when we talk climate crisis, there are immediate demands that need to be met with regard to how we've built our city, whether, especially in the inner city, you know, it's, it, it's a major concern is flood mitigation, uh, knowing that we have a series of potential disasters that exist, having the river cut through the inner city community so much. But I also know that when we talk about climate emergencies and climate crises, we often have very short, not short-sighted goals, but immediate needs that must be addressed. Whereas the long-term solutions that often intersect so many different aspects of our work, whether it be this, the way that we build our city planning, our infrastructure, our housing developments, our energy requirements, our transit, these are these are issues where you might not actually hear the words climate crisis in this policies that are being created. And it's it's going to be incumbent on everybody who's creating, who's doing this work, who's, who's leading this charge to kind of always have this, there's a climate emergency, there's a climate emergency in the back of our head that helps filters our decisions and helps remind us of a set of values that will drive the decisions that we'll make, even when on paper, it doesn't say anything about uh, climate. And especially some of the major issues that, that come to mind immediately is downtown revitalization. These are a huge, it's a, it's a burden, it's a job that is going to create immense opportunity in our city if, if we, we build it sustainably, whereas one major aspect of that sustainability is, of course, making sure that we're creating it as, as green as possible so that we can, well, mitigate the challenges that might come from not doing so. Jasmine, how about yourself? I think in order to address the climate crisis, we have to think about how we talk about the climate crisis and the story that we tell about it. Because I think whether you like it or not, not everyone will be moved by the equity arguments around climate change. And there's many good ones um, about how if we don't address climate change, you know, the, in, the, the most marginalized in our society will feel that first. And that's true across the world. Um, but I think the, the personalization as much as you can of this um, is important, right? So if you if you look at Alberta, we've had se seven of the 10 worst natural disasters in Canada have been in Alberta. I don't think the average person knows that. And then you start to say, like, think about the hailstorm, think about the wildfire smoke. I mean, I had a really eye opening moment this past summer when I was up on Nose Hill and it was one of those very smoky days. And I saw somebody wearing a gas mask doing riding his bike on Nose Hill. And I thought to myself, is this our future? 
is this, is this what it's going to be like for my children to go out and, and play in the future? And I think that like really putting those tangible ways that, that climate change is affecting people's lives is really important. And then when that doesn't work, um, because we're human and a lot of times humans won't make the best decisions, especially to Courtney's point about the long term. I think we, we, we do appeal in the short-term ways that make sense. So for example, we need electric car infrastructure because like, walk into a car dealership today. Can you, you know, every, everyone is, is uh, electrifying their fleets. You look at all the ma major manufacturers and we don't want to be left behind. And so you can sometimes talk about climate change from this more economic perspective, or you can frame it from an equity perspective. And the truth is it's important from both. Um, but as a, an, a successful politician, I think you'll have to figure out which, what's the currency that people trade in and how can you adjust your framing to make sure that it resonates. Courtney Penner, how about yourself? Yeah, I think, you know, both great points from, from Courtney and Jasmine. A, a couple things that, that come to mind, especially around addressing climate is, you know, the previous council had a real champion in Drew Farrell and it had a few co-sponsors, but it was really felt kind of like a one person led initiative. This is a moment for there to be a team. And it's a moment to acknowledge first also like the ongoing work that's been done by the city. So to, to get re a real understanding on the initiatives that are coming down, um, but then also initiatives that are expiring. So one that I talk about often is the biodiversity strategy. And I talk about it often just having, you know, three major regional parks, um, in in my ward and in two rivers and the reservoir, biodiversity is, is ginormous in terms of what we can do. And I think Jasmine made some really great points around the personalization and the storytelling and just one acknowledging that there is more than one story to be told around the climate crisis. And I think, you know, yes, we need to talk about, you know, the negative implications, but again, I'm going to turn it and say, what are the opportunities that we have from changing our behavior? What are the opportunities that it presents for the city from us taking a leadership stance? You know, what, what are we afforded um, if we can, can lead and grow um, our green behavior? And, and, and who will that attract? And what kind of investment will that attract? And so that's where, like, again, having those different stories to tell about how we all can benefit from it. Um, but meeting, again, meeting people where they're at um, and understanding, you know, as Jasmine said, what is their currency? How does it benefit them? Um, that, I mean, and that is human. That is, we want, we want to know that we're benefiting. Um, and that is okay. Because I do think that that is, that is part of the equity story as well, is that there are benefits to be had for all people. Yeah, rather than a story of uh, hopelessness, I think we've seen that uh, hopelessness is not necessarily the, the biggest motivator on that file anyway. I'm curious too about growth. I mean, that's, that was a big issue for the last council. It will be a big issue for your council. It, it'll always be an issue in Calgary, I think. Jasmine, your ward is one of the outer wards uh, in north central Calgary. Some of the com the 14 new communities that were uh, approved by the last council are, I, I think, in your ward. And, and so I'm curious how you think this council should balance outward growth with inner city uh, redevelopment and densification? Because that's a trick, like it seems like one of those intractable problems on paper. The city has said, here's our long-term growth plan. The city has acknowledged that we are not going to meet our targets. 
uh, for that growth plan. And it just seems to be this circular argument and conflict uh, that is just very difficult to negotiate. So I'm just curious how you see this council navigating that. The most important thing that this council will do in the next week or two weeks is sit down and agree to some strategic priorities. Because if I you know, can't agree with my, if we can't set some rules of engagement or these are the things that we are, we're going to agree that are, we're going to pursue as, as a, as a group of 15, um, there's no way to hold each other accountable when people go off and people will, you know, move from different outcomes for all different types of reasons. And this is where I think leadership comes in. This is where goal setting is very important. Um, and, I, I think that was a challenge for the last council is that a, I think they had the best of intentions on an individual level, but to what extent did they come together as a team and decide like, what are, what are we doing here and, and what are we going to hold ourselves accountable to? And, and that's what I'm hopeful we can do in this case. And so I, I look forward to that conversation with, with my colleagues about let's think about this next four years of what we're building in Calgary. What are going to be our priorities? You can't do everything. And um, I think there's probably a lot of commonalities across wards as to what people are asking for. And uh, can we sit down and agree to some of those and really push those priorities together as opposed to the 15 of us bringing forward different agendas and trying to get other people on side all the time. Um, That will happen as well. But I think having some high level goals that we can all agree to is very important. End of line. Thanks for listening and see you again soon. You've been listening to Sprawlcast. I'm Jeremy Clausus and I'm the editor-in-chief of The Sprawl. You've been listening to a conversation with Calgary Councillors Jasmine Meehan, Courtney Walcott, and Courtney Penner. If you haven't yet, make sure to check out the in-depth profile story we published on Mayor Jyoti Gondek. You can read that on our website. This episode was edited by Mike Todd. Our theme music is by Dan D. Augustino and Kenny Murdoch. Our C-Train narrator is Holly McConnell. Thanks for listening and see you next time.